Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. This morning I want to talk to you about a subject that is rarely pursued from the pulpit. I know we've been kind of hitting at those kind of things the last several weeks. And today is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, and so we're going to talk about the sanctity of human life. Uh, It's not just something that we put in a bulletin insert and forget about. It's not something that we just say, well, today's the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday and not do anything about it. Uh, we're going to discuss this in detail, more importantly than anything else. We're going to see what God's Word has to say about it. And it doesn't matter what politicians or what uh, commentators say about a subject. In my opinion, what's the most important thing is what does God's Word say? What does God's Word tell us about this subject? It's a touchy subject, and it's something that uh, that we don't we tend to shy away from because it it tend it's been in the political realm so much lately that it, it's difficult to discuss it without having sore feelings on one side or the other. So uh, rather than say, well, this political side is better than that political side because this political side says this and that political side says that. What I'm going to just basically say is, this is what God says, and you decide whether you want to listen to what God says about it or if you want to listen to what someone else says about it or what you feel about it. And let me just say this uh We primarily don't talk about how we feel about things a lot in here because of the main fact that emotions shouldn't govern the way that we do things. We should should, uh, discover how... the facts about certain things and we should discover what God's desire is about uh, that aspect of our life. We should look to God's Word. And and I know there's a lot of people that are out there in the world that, that basically say, well, uh, we don't want to look at the Bible and we don't want to listen to what the Bible says about that because the Bible's an old book. The Bible's really uh, been there for a long time. We don't know about the reliability and all that. Listen, there's no more reliable piece of literature in all of the world's literature than God's Word. Um, we study things in our classrooms that we profess is a certain piece of literature by a certain person or certain uh, documents that are given by someone from a long time ago, we have more evidence of the accuracy of God's Word than any other document in history. And so we ought to uh, look at that as just one clear sign of the fact that uh, that it is reliable from God. And the other thing is, is that God, uh, this this book, this Bible, is written over hundreds of years, and it all coral- it all comes together and has the same message, the same purpose, and the same aim throughout all of those hundreds of years. Every person that participated in that 
was led of God to give His message so that from the very beginning of it to the very end, it all uh, it gives the same message of God's Word. And so we need to understand that the, uh, that, that the Bible in itself is a miracle that we would have a recording of, of, and it is a recording of God's heart, God's mind on the aspects of our life, and we can see God's desire, and, and we ought to follow it. And so that's why we look to God's Word for that reason, and that's why we look at it so closely. Let me tell you about a story about a doctor. His name was uh, Dr. L.A. Agnew. He was a professor at UCLA's medical school, and he taught uh, courses that relate to... Uh, young students becoming doctors. And he looked out uh, across the vastness of the, the students' faces and he asked a question one particular day. And he asked this question, he says, what would you tell the mother and father of this particular situation? He says, uh, the father has syphilis, the mother has tuberculosis, and the, the mother is pregnant with another child. Uh, they have already four children. Uh, out of the four children, one of those children is blind. The second one died. The third is death. And the fourth has tuberculosis. And in this particular day in which they live, tuberculosis is not something you just get a shot for and then you go home and you're okay. Tuberculosis uh, is a disease that killed thousands of people. And so the likelihood of the mother and one of the children already of living for very long is very low. And he says, uh, what would you be... And here's the, here's the question. He says, the parents are willing to have an abortion for this fifth child. They are simply asking the doctor for their best assessment of the situation and what they should do. He said, uh, of those who are here that would suggest to the parents uh, that they would have an abortion, raise your hand. And uh, the account of this situation is, is that a majority of the class uh, that were in the classroom that morning uh, answered by raising their hand that they would advise the parents to have an abortion. Uh, the doctor then said to the class, he said to them, congratulations, you have just aborted Beethoven. We don't often think about the ramifications of what has happened as a result of Roe v. Wade, but I want to share something with you. Over 61 million children are not in this world today because of Roe v. Wade. From 1973, when Roe v. Wade uh, was passed by the Supreme Court, over 61 million children have died as a result of abortion. In my book, that's genocide. In, in my opinion, I mean, uh, we, we went to 
we fought Nazi Germany for the atrocities of what they did during World War II as a result of their aggressive push across Europe to take control of, of vast lands. And in the process, they killed uh, thousands and thousands of people. In addition to the fact that of that, the, we also went to war against Germany because of the atrocities that they did against the Jewish people by throwing uh, not just Jewish people, but uh, educated people, people that were uh, physicians and doctors, uh, people who were professors, people who were teachers, uh, people who were outcasts like gypsies, people who were infirm. They threw all these people in to concentration camps and basically exterminated uh, uh, millions of Jews in their, in their efforts to bring about a master race. And yet it's not anywhere close to the number of people who, were, who are massacred each year as a result of abortion. 600,000 uh, and a conservative number is over 600,000 children will lose their life this year as a result of abortion. It's closer, uh, uh, records are closer to 800,000. At one time, it was over a million and a half children each year were dying as a result of abortion. If we rounded up people in this nation, and said, uh, uh, we're going to kill all these people and rounded up 600,000 people each year and had a ex- a- a extermination camps like the G- uh, Germans did with the Jews. There'd be all kinds of, of uproar. There'd be all kinds of, of, of uh, 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 outrage over all of that. And yet we have groups of people in this country who are encouraging uh, people to go and to fight for abortion, a fight for abortion rights, all because they desire to be seen as uh, progressive individuals, seen as people that are allowing uh, women to have the right to choose about their own bodies. Let me just share something with you about uh, the individual who uh, started Planned Parenthood. Her name was Margaret Sanger. And if you haven't heard about her, I'd hope that you would do a little research. Just Google her name at some point and start reading a little bit about her. Uh, She believed in this uh, thing called eugenics, uh, which basically said that, uh, that through certain uh, processes, we should eliminate those who are weaker, eliminate those people who are less desirable, people who are poor, people who are uh, not of of the certain background that should be uh, 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 promoted. Eugenics was basically what Adolf Adolf Hitler believed in and which led to the the attempt to exterminate the Jews. Uh, Her desire was that uh, we would take uh, the poorest and the people of color uh, 
and promote abortion in their communities, put abortion clinics in their neighborhoods so that they would abort their children and that there would be a a rise in the number of white individuals and the rise of people who had uh, more income and were more affluent. This is the person who, who... pushed for the beginning of the Planned Parenthood in the United States. <clears throat> well, I have a real problem with all of that. Uh, aside from uh, the obvious reasons of, of killing unborn children and, and targeting people of color, targeting people of low income, uh, targeting individuals who were not as desirable as some others, uh, labeling people as not desirable. Who, who's not desirable? And one person's opinion is totally different than another person's opinion. Why should, we, why should we target certain groups? We're all of... God's Word tells us, and I believe, and I, I, I firmly hold, that all people are desirable. That everyone is precious. That every life is of value. And that is, the, that is what is contrary to the, the understanding of those who would say uh, that abortion is, is uh, desirable and that abortion should be promoted. The number one reason for abortion by any number of these people is, is that it's the woman's right to choose whether or not she desires to have the child. And, and the other, other thing is, is that, oh, we should have abortion because of the fact that <clears throat> that mother, no matter who she is, it does not desire to have that child. Does not desire to have that child for whatever reason. We've seen uh, uh, the governor of Virginia come out and blatantly say that that uh, a woman should have the right to choose the life of the child even after the point in which the child has been born and is laying on the examination table. That that mother should have the right to choose whether or not that child lives, not just up until the time of birth, but after the child is born. Well, unfortunately, I know a lot uh, some parents who would probably look at their child at one time or another and say, you know, I, yeah, I, 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 I could take you out of this world. You better straighten up, child. But in all reality, we ought to look with love and affection towards each child, no matter what our feelings are at the moment. Every life is precious. We should look at every life like God looks at us. And so I'm going to share with you a few views of God in terms of how He looks at us. The first one is found in, in the book of Jeremiah. It's, a, it's a, prophet's, uh, a book of prophecy in the Old Testament. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says about Jeremiah at the beginning of that book. It says that uh, the Bible tells us that, that God looked at Jeremiah and said, I, Before I formed thee in the, uh, the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, 
I specified, I sanctified thee. Excuse me, I better take out my glasses. I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And so what God is telling Jeremiah is, is before you were ever born, before you ever existed as an individual, uh, God says to Jeremiah, I formed you, I knit you together in your mother's womb, I knew you, and I selected you to be a prophet. Not just that I knew that you were going to be born. You know, we, we know, like if... We've got a friend of ours that uh, that we keep their child after school, and uh, a couple of weeks back uh, we saw on Facebook, or Robin saw on Facebook, because I don't look at Facebook, but she saw on Facebook that that she was announcing the fact that she was going to have a baby, and this was a glorious time because of the fact that she and her husband had been trying for, for quite some time, for several years, to have a baby of their own. Uh, together and and they were having uh, uh, they were announcing the fact that they had found out that she was pregnant and it was a great time of celebration. It's one thing to say that I knew that you were going to be born after this child is born to look at that child after they're old enough to understand and comprehend to say I knew you before you were born. It's one thing to say that, and we could look at you know. We can look at our own children and say, I knew you when you were just a little blip in your mama's uh, belly. That's not the same as God saying, I knew you before you were formed. God said, not only did I know you, He says, but I selected for you what you would do. You know, my girls uh, both went off to college. Uh, two of my girls went off to college, Cynthia and Christina. And one of the first things that people ask as you get closer to the end of your senior year in high school is, what are you going to go to study? What are you going to go study in college uh, after they find out that you're going to go off to college and study? What are you going to major in? What's you're gonna, what are you going to try and, and become? And that's the big question for all the incoming students is, what are you going to do? What are you going to be? Or what do you want to study? Or what area, what field do you want to concentrate in? What, what do you want to do? And for a lot of students, that's a big burden because they don't know what they want to be. God here is saying to Jeremiah, He says, before you were ever born, I chose for you that you would be a prophet. And He's saying, I selected you so that you would go and give this message to my people. I believe that God does that for all of us. That it's not a, a, a roll of the dice. That God doesn't sit there and say, well, you know, what am I going to do? What, uh, what am I going to have this one be? And wait to find out what they like to do. I believe that God made you in your mother's womb. And this is true of all of us, not just Jeremiah. That when, when God knit us together in our mother's womb, they knew exactly how you would be. He knew, knew exactly what kind. He knew the freckles on your face. He knew uh, the hairs on your head or the lack thereof. I have to put in for myself. Um, <laughs> or he, and he knew uh, how big, you know, you might sit there and look in the mirror and you might say, oh, I don't like how my nose looks. I don't like how my ears droop. I don't like how this is and I don't like how that is. You need to understand something that God, when He looks at you, He says, 
perfect. You're just the way I made you. You're just the, you've got just the kind of hair I wanted you to have. You got them everywhere that I expected them to be. I, I put them right where they belong, right where they are. Everything about you know, I got this problem with hair coming out my ears. The, when you get the more you get, the older you get, you have to you have to not just shave your face. You got to shave your ears. And some of us got to shave the back of our neck. And and some of us got a but I got a bunch of hair on my back. And on my chest, God put them right there for a reason. I don't know what it is, but He did it. He did it because He wanted me to be that way. And to sit there and to criticize it is to criticize God for making you the way you are. He made you just the way you are. And He selected before you were ever born who you would be, the character that you would have, the type of person you would be, And he said, I'm going to make him this. I'm going to make her that. I'm going to, I've selected him or her for that reason. And for that reason, we ought to to have a great respect for each and every life. First and foremost, the reason why we should be against abortion is the fact that each individual is a bearer of the image of God. Turn back to Genesis and you'll read that that God created man in His image. God didn't create man in the image of a giraffe. Thank the Lord, my neck's not long enough. I wouldn't want to let a neck that long. He didn't create man in in the image of a hippo, although some of us are getting awful close to that size. But we're not in the image of a of a dog. We're not in the image of an ape. We're not in the image of a a chipmunk. We're not in the image of uh, of anything. We're in the image of God. He created us in His image. There's a lot of debate as to whether or not that means well God has a head and a te- and, a, and feet and hands and ten fingers and ten toes and two ears and two eyes, or whether that means that God gave us the innate desire to create and 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 the ability to choose for ourselves. I think it means all of that, and that that God created us to be like Him so that He could love us and that we could love Him. I think it's important that we understand that that we had to be created in His image in order to, to love Him. You see, all of creation can cry out, as, as it says in Genesis, that all of creation can cry out the glory of God, but only man has the, cho- has the ability to choose to love God. And to, and to exclaim His love for God. And for that reason, there's a lot of people who don't. And so the, for, the, for, for the very large reason, we ought to oppose abortion because each person who is, is in the mother's womb is an image bearer of God. They have the image of God imprinted upon them. It's kind of like, you know, if you go to a... 
used to be that you had to talk about crime scenes to talk about this, but if you take out your phone and you look at it, or if you take out your iPad, you'll see all these little scuffs and marks and things. What is that? That's your fingerprints all over it. Well, I, you know, you, you've been doing all this stuff. Your fingerprints, oh, sorry. All, your fingerprints are all over your phone. And it... My fingerprints are different from anybody else's fingerprints. Your fingerprints are different from mine. And think of it this way. When God created Adam in the garden, it said that God knelt down and formed of the dust of the earth man in His image. And I'm thinking of of God pulling together the clay and using His very hand, everything else that God created, He spoke into existence. Let there be light. Let there be the sun and the moon, the stars. Let there be all the animals that swim in the oceans. Let the oceans teem with life. Let the ground be covered with life and all kinds of creeping things. But when He created mankind, He stopped, knelt down, and form man with his own two hands. If you've ever done any work with clay, you know that as you're forming that, whatever it is that you're making, you have a lot of imprints of your fingerprints all over that creation. I think we're covered with the imprint of God upon us because God took the time and the care to form us. And each soul, each person that's born, each person that's in the mother's womb has the same care and love and devotion of God as Adam did in the garden when God created him. And every one of us is a creation of God. Look look at Psalms 139. This is the other Scripture that's so powerful at this time. Psalms 139 says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou hast known my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts from afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid Thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from Thy Spirit or whither shall I flee from Thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, Thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, Thou art there. If I take wing of flight in the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there thy hand shall, shall Thy hand lead me and Thy right hand hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as day, and the darkness as the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, and thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. And I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Abortion is wrong because we are a creation of God. 
Not only did God, has God known us, it, it's not a matter of when does life start. It, it, it all is about the fact that we are a creation of God. And when we, uh, uh, and that is, and life is precious. Throughout history, we have all known that that life is precious and we have all understood that if we if someone took the life of another that that person was responsible for the taking of a life and they were uh, they were held responsible for that whether it was to be uh, placed on trial or whether that person was to uh, was to face the the consequences of of taking that life of spending time in jail or or having their own life taken because of their actions I believe every life is precious. Not just the life that's wanted, but every life. I believe every life is precious and not just the, the people who are on the right side of the tracks or have enough money or, ha- or look the right way or have the right accent or have the right hair color or the right skin tone. Every life is precious. I believe every life is precious even after some prove in their life that they're not so precious. That they don't, they don't act with respect towards others and they don't do things that are right. I believe even those lives are precious to God. The most important thing that you need to understand is is that abortion is wrong because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ not only died on the cross for me and for you, He died on the cross for every life that's in a mother's womb. Every life he saw that, can't, that, that makes a presence on this earth, every life, all 61 million lives that were cut short because of abortion, God so loved them so much that He sent His only begotten Son that they too would have the opportunity to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If God loved them that much, then we ought to love them too. We ought to fight for them and fight for the right of those lives to have the opportunity to know Jesus Christ. We ought to fight with all that we can to ensure that those individuals have the opportunity at life. As in the illustration that I gave you at the very beginning about Beethoven's life, out of 61 million people that have lost their life as a result of abortion. What's the chance and the possibility that one of those individuals might have grown up today and be a scientist that found the cure for cancer or was a great orator that stirred countless lives and changed the course of humanity through the words that they wrote or the things they said to inspire others. What's the, what's the possibility that one of those 61 plus million children grew up and did something to change and transform my life and your life? 
I'd say pretty high. We ought to consider what's happening. And if you're like me, I know uh, I grew up pretty much at least at the beginning of my life, thinking, well, you know, I want to leave everybody alone. I'll just live my life. I'm not going to try and stir up anything by trying to tell anybody what they should do and what what they shouldn't do. But there are certain individuals in this country who want to promote abortion to the point where the money that you pay in your taxes, the money that you contribute to the welfare of this nation would be used to end lives to kill individuals with no more thought or pretense than what's used when you go to the doctor and they remove a mole or a skin tab off of your neck. We ought to realize that the time of not paying attention to this issue is long past. Because there are lives that are affected. And you're, you'll, you and I both will be responsible should certain things happen and we begin to fund abortion. Uh, right now, let me give you a, a little hint. You know, tax dollars are not supposed to go right now through what's known as the Hyde Amendment that no tax dollars are to be used for abortion. Let me tell you something. For years, Planned Parenthood of, of, of America has been receiving tax dollars, millions and millions of dollars, and it's already been used to fund the death of millions of individuals. The question is, what will we do? We ought to care about these, uh, this issue because each person is an image of God. Each person is loved of God and is a creation of God. We ought to care because God tells us that we ought to care. We ought to do everything we can to end the senseless killing. If we could, we could no more shake our head and say, well, I'm not going to deal with that issue, then we could shake our head and say, I'm not going to deal with that issue when millions of people were being carted off to concentration camps during the 1940s. We can't shake our head and say, well, we can't, I'm just not going to think about it anymore. We've got, to, we've got to stand and do something about it. We've got to realize and understand that the, that <clears throat> by simply doing nothing, we're doing something. Mm-hmm. By doing nothing, we're saying, I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with paying money so that somebody can go in and have their inside scraped out and life that's growing inside that mother's womb be tossed out like yesterday's garbage. I hope and pray that you'll consider this. Each life is valuable to God. Your life is valuable to God. God created you for a reason and a purpose. He told Jeremiah, I formed you in your mother's womb so that you, and I chose you and I selected you as a prophet 
God spoke that about John who would go and blaze the trail before Jesus. Before John was ever born, he uh, went to Zacharias and Elizabeth and said, your son is going to be something else. He's going to blaze a trail. And he was selected to go out and profess the Word of God. God looks at you and He says, I love you and I gave my Son to die on the cross for you. We ought to care that much for those unborn children as well. Let's pray.